the city's being blessed as churches come together and work together. We're about to read some passages that, that remind us how powerful that is. We have differences. Some of us drink coffee and some of us drink other. But that shouldn't keep us from spending time encouraging one another, yeah. blessing one another, and helping our city realize that the Father loves our city. Mm. Uh, at Crossroads and Mosaic and the other engaged Arlington churches, we're not against the city. And we're not just in the city. We're for the city. And that's our heart as pastors. And we hope that as we work together, that Psalms 133 is true, that God will command a blessing where there's life evermore. And that the cities would realize that the spirit-filled believers of the engaged Arlington churches are not against us. They're not just with us. They're actually for us. And we see plenty of Scripture to back that up. But, uh, yeah, that's what we do. That's good. Yeah, so, so Mosaic and other churches in the city are a part of Engage Arlington. We recently got invited as a church to be a part as well. Uh, and, and one of the emphases is as well, Mosaic and Crossroads are similar in size. Uh, and, then, and there's a movement to connect churches of our size to work better together. And so we got a chance to uh, love on three other pastor couples from three other churches in the city uh, this past Sunday night and just have a dinner and just to have community. Because so much happens at the table, at the table of fellowship. And, and, and so that was just a great first start. So I was so excited to be a part of that. Tyler introduced us to eating raw oysters. So you have a dude for a pastor. <laughs> They were slimy and yummy, and I'm all about them. It was the best part of the night, watching people try to eat these nasty things. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I had already done it years ago, so there was no sense in me wasting 12 bucks on my oyster that I wouldn't like. So uh, I just let you have an extra one. I appreciate it. I, I took it and received it. Thank you so much. All for love. Yeah, all for love. So in that, in that idea that God is a God of unity, um, we want to just read some passages over you that we see all throughout Scripture of what it means for the, God's family, the body of Christ, to be together in unity. And so I, the anchor verse, I think, this morning is in John, isn't it, Steve? And so yeah. I'd love for you to read John over us. If you have John 17, turn in your scriptures or turn them on, John 17. And just a little bit of background, right? I mean, Jesus has lived with his disciples now for about three years. He's on the verge of heading to the cross. Um, he just has his last supper um, he had taught them right before then about the importance of washing each other's feet, serving one another. He teaches them about abiding in the vine. He reminds them that the Holy Spirit's coming to be their counselor, to help them. And then the scriptures, there's a break where he begins to pray. Now, many of us have been taught that the Lord's Prayer is that prayer that starts with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I want to submit to you that the Lord's Prayer is actually John 17. The Our Father is the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray, but that's not the Lord's Prayer to me. The high priestly prayer is about what we're about to read, or at least a part of it. I think this is the Lord's Prayer. And in this prayer, he begins to pray for himself first. In John 17, the first few verses are about himself. If you've ever flown on an airplane, you know that if the cabin loses pressure, yeah. the oxygen masks come down, and the first thing they say to do, Alvaro, is what? Put the mask on yourself. Because if you pass out, you can't help heaven. So Jesus is going to pray for himself first because if Jesus isn't really, and he's always right, he's righteous, right? But Jesus is going to give us a model that take care of yourself. And then he's going to pray for these 12 apostles, disciples, the original 12. 
And if you look in verse 11, he prays for them. He says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. He's talking about the original. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you've given me so that they may be one as we are one. So he's talking about the original 12. He asked the Father to protect them, which, side note, out of those original 12, 10 out of the 11 faithful are end up being martyred. So just because God prays for protection over us doesn't mean we won't lose our lives. Yeah. Side good. note. Yeah. Not about unity. Sorry for the downer. And then later he shifts the prayer to us. He's thinking about Mosaic and Crossroads and First Baptist. And uh, he's thinking about Grace and Koinonia. He's thinking about Restore Church and Authentic City Church. He's thinking about the body of Christ in this greater Arlington area. And if you look in verse 20 through 23, he's praying this for us. Take your right hand, tap your chest, and say this. This is for me. Yeah, that's good. Let's say it louder. This is for me. This is for me. I want to hear you in the back back there, Sarah. All right, this is for me. Here we go. That's good. I pray not only for these, the original, but also for those, the ones who just tapped their chest, who believe in me through their word. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory or the doxa. You have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is for me. Wow, that's great. I love that. And I love that you pointed out that unity, we often think unity starts with how I interface with everyone else. But actually it starts right here. And that oxygen mass is such a great uh, picture of that. Is I have to submit my own heart to what does unity look like for the greater good before I can actually interface with everyone else. And then 23, we've been talking about John 17 for a few weeks now. And I got stuck. Your translation says complete. My translation, the ESV, says perfectly. And I think sometimes we miss the idea of, well, if we're going to be together, we just do it every once in a while. But Jesus didn't pray for us to do it every once in a while. He prayed for us to, for that unifying work to be complete within each of us. And so what does completeness look like? What does perfection look like when we're together? And that forms the foundation, I think, as we flow out of uh, where we're headed. That's true. When you think about unity, you want to maybe start with the definition. So mm-hmm. the culture would say that, that unity is a state of being undivided. You're having oneness. Yeah. It's a condition of harmony. But for believers, those of us who take a high view of Scripture, those of us who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, those of us who are desiring to see King Jesus lifted up above all, we believe that it's actually using our distinctiveness and our expressions as a family connected to God and each other through the gospel. In fact, I say it this way. Unity is not about sameness, but it's about distinctiveness moving in the same direction. So I want to say it again. Unity is not about sameness. Like Desiree, you and I are different, right? I have zero tattoos. They're beautiful. Unity is not about us looking the same. It's about us taking our distinctiveness and using that through the gospel to move forward, 
to see the kingdom come. So some of us are darker skin. Some of us are lighter skin. Some of us have more money. Some of us have less money. Some of us have been married once. Some of us have been married three times. Some of us are not married again. Some of us have mental issues. Some of us have physical issues. All of us outside of Jesus have spiritual issues. But that shouldn't stop us from walking in unity. I would agree. And what I love about the picture of unity that we're talking about, it doesn't, Jesus didn't, it wasn't brand new to the room. It started at creation, right? And you see, you see, if you think all the way back to Genesis 1, where God is saying, let us make man in our own image as the garden and the foundation of the world was started, each of the members of the Trinity, God the Father, Christ the Son, and then the Holy Spirit, each are uni, in, unif- in unification. They're unified together as one, but they bring a diversity to each part of their role in the Trinity. And so I love that picture of the diversity. It's not conformity, it's unification for the good of something else that the, we see the Trinity model so well there. Yeah, and that, we're image bearers, right, Melvin? Mm-hmm. You've taught us this. We're image bearers. So we're bearing the image of the one who created us. Yeah. And they are walking in unity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So why wouldn't his kids walk in unity? And this all flows out of what the Israelites would remember as, I think it was the Shema, right? Yeah, Deuteronomy 6, prayer. 4. Yeah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is what? Say it out loud. The Lord your God is? One. Say it out loud. The Lord your God is? One. There you go. This is for me. Say this. This is for me. <laughs> this is for me. The Lord is one. See, if you're an elementary kid, you can put your hand up there to help you remember it. And since the Lord is one, we should be one. That's good. Yeah, and I love that. Just in, in, in the Shema prayer, right, it's, they started everything that the Israelites did began and ended with the Shema. They started their day by testifying and declaring that the Lord is one, and they ended every day by saying the same thing. And so it's, when you think about, like, there's busyness and schedules, and, and I've, I've got kids over here, I've got kids over there, I've got all these things vying for my attention, let alone all the technology in the world that's pushing us and all that. When you think about how it's really hard to be unified together, but, man, if I begin and end my day with these bookends of just saying, Lord, you were one, and you were good, and you call us to the same oneness because it flows out of who you are in your personhood, I think it makes it a little bit easier to find that completeness or perfection that Jesus prayed for. You know, Jesus did the heavy lifting. He showed us how to do this. You don't have to recreate this. You do have to allow the Holy Spirit to move through you, though, to see it happen. You will not be in unity if you live according to the flesh. Everything that is done according to the flesh only brings death. Yeah. And we need life. Yeah. And God wants to command a blessing of life evermore to the brothers and sisters of the greater Arlington area who will choose to live in unity because the Lord their God is one. And because God lives in unity and created us as image bearers, that should hopefully want you and I to want to do the same thing as his kids, as his followers, disciples of Jesus. We should want to be like Jesus. Paul talks about this. He does. He does. Unwrap it for us. Yeah, he talks about it in Ephesians. And so we're moving from the idea of a creation that God is one and created, male and female one, 
Jesus praying for that for his disciples. And now we're moving into Paul as he is growing the church and building it from scratch. Ephesians 2, if you want to follow along, starting in verse 13. And just pay attention to how thick the theme here that Paul is picking up the football and pushing it down the field. And starting in verse 13, he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, which I think is all of us at some point in our journey, right? have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both what? One. See that unity just thrown in there? But in that oneness, Paul is talking about how Jesus has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law and commandments expressed in the ordinances. So Jesus did the heavy lifting by breaking the wall of hostility or enmity or separation, or maybe you're just not feeling his presence today. You've had those days, right, where it's like, I know I'm supposed to be doing these things. I should have some quiet time. I should have some worship. You know, I'm really busy. I know I should, be, I should care and be concerned about other people, but I'm just not in that space. Jesus did the heavy lifting, according to Paul. My kids often didn't want to go to school. What? Kids didn't want to go to school? Does yours always want to go to school? Yes, they do. And they're perfect, and I'm not a liar. (laughs) Revelation, Revelation, 21-8, liars go to... (laughs) Have you not heard that song? I have no idea what song you're singing, but anyway. Uh, (laughs) My kids oftentimes didn't want to go to school, but they were students. Yeah. And we didn't homeschool. You know, I I think nowadays we we might want to try that option. Um, the fact of the matter was they were students and they needed to be in school. Yeah. And whether they wanted to or not, it didn't change their identity. They were an AISD student, and we're thankful for AISD. We, we love our schools. Yeah. The fact of the matter is everyone in this room that just took communion mm-hmm. with a true heart, you're a disciple of Jesus. You've been bought with a price. You've been set free. You've been made righteous. Whether you feel it or not, your feelings really don't matter. I know we live in a culture that says feelings should matter. Feelings should matter to a degree. But when your feelings contradict what God has clearly told you through his son, through his spirit, through his scriptures, through his saints, now all of a sudden we place our feelings in the right spot. And they don't get number one. And when it comes to unity, I can promise you, the culture, your flesh, other, unfortunately, sometimes churches, they will fight against this. They will fight against it. And you've got to say, wait a minute, I believe the Lord our God is one. I believe Jesus did the heavy lifting. I believe Paul's reminding us what Jesus did. And therefore, I'm going to do what I can to maintain this. That's good. That's good. You know, another verse in in Ephesians now in chapter 4. And we know that the verse in Ephesians where it says, bearing one with one another in love. He says this in verse 3. So the idea that we should bear with one another, that we should put up with each other, that we should, like, go long suffering with each other. We should persevere even when we get grumpy with one another. That's what Paul's talking about. And then he says this in verse 3, so eager to maintain the unity, the outflow of bearing with one another love, the unity of the Spirit, and the bond of peace. And, and I just love that call because I don't know if people who don't know who Jesus is or are outside the church in some regular capacity would say, you know, I think the church is peaceful. You know, I, I think that would be a critique, and I think it would be something that we should really take a look at is what does it look like for us to bear with one another in love, maintaining unity, eager in the bond of peace, both with inside our church walls and within our family, right? Because sometimes with family, like, you could really be honest with each other, and, like, Dee and I, like, we love each other really well, so we know we could say things that sometimes we shouldn't say to other people, 
But that does, I think we do that as a church family sometimes too. What does it look like for us to be eager to maintain the bond of peace, not just within, but also without? Yeah. I sent you some notes on this you passage. Did? I, I want to encourage you with five quick things, and I don't know if they'll be on the board or not. but uh, They may not be. That's fine. The first thing when I think about unity in Ephesians is that unity is a gift. That's good. And Tyler just reminds you of that in Ephesians 2. Jesus already did the heavy lifting. He's giving us this gift through the Holy Spirit. The second thing is that unity doesn't have to be created since it's a gift. God doesn't call us to create unity. He calls us to maintain it. So you don't have to step into a moment and try to create something. If you're with God's people, you just get to maintain it. Yep. The third thing is that unity grows over time. Later on in Ephesians 4, it talks about how there's these equippers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers who help the saints grow in maturity. So you may not be where you want to be right now with God's people in unity, but that's okay. If you're breathing, there's still hope for us. And so God's going to mature you over time. Yeah. Unity is something that we, we grow into. Jesus prayed for unity, and we still don't have it. So we know that we're still growing. The fourth thing is you just mentioned, the greatest enemy to unity are these things. I think, looking at Ephesians 4, verses, I think, 2 or 3. Yeah. One is pride. Two is harsh words. Mm -hmm. And three, impatience. Yeah. If you are a proud person, or if you like to use harsh words, even in the name of joking. Can we pause there? Does that include sarcasm? Yes. Oh, man. Spurgeon said the road to hell is paved with sarcasm. Wow. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Thanks for giving me my nugget for Spurgeon the day. I appreciate wasn't, that. Spurgeon wasn't as great as a lot of people think he was, but that was kind of probably true. Um, I'm going to move away from you because you just said that. Harsh words, yeah. impatient, pride people. And this is me. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm filled with myself if I'm not filled with the Spirit. I ask my wife how many times I can be harsh to her. In fact, couples in the room, Maybe one reason you're not experiencing unity in your home is because one or both of you are just filled with harsh words. Yeah. That's a marriage conference. It is. Maybe one or both of you is just impatient. And you expected your spouse by the year 25 of your anniversary, which we just celebrated. Lynette expected me to be different at the year 25. But she didn't realize how broke of a man I am. And so Lynette gives me patience. And it protects unity. So watch out for those three enemies of unity. And then finally, unity requires something. You can't just walk into a room and say, hey, we want to be unified. It, it requires something. And for the Engage Arlington churches, yeah. for those of us who take a high view of Scripture, we believe that unity at its center requires a, a, a gospel. The doctrinal center of unity is the gospel. It's this idea you can keep on reading there. Sure. It's this one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father above all, who is through all in all. So I can work together with people who don't love and live for Jesus Christ. We can grab backpacks and serve the needy, and we can do social justice causes. That, that's fine. But with the body of Christ, when Jesus, the gospel, is at the center, this moves us and propels us to go do something better together. Yeah. Each of my kids, I'm writing in three different Bibles. 
and I will hand those to my kids at the appropriate time. And in all three Bibles, I have three desires for my kids. That's it. Three desires for my kids. Number one, I think two of them are in the room. Maybe just one. Yeah, the boys are in the room. Number one, I want Bryson and Harrison to worship King Jesus. Number two, I want Bryson and Harrison to honor our family name. To never do anything that embarrasses the Hammonds. The Hammonds, by God's grace and our sacrifice, have a good name in Arlington. And number three, I want Bryson and Harrison to grow to become great citizens of the kingdom. That's it. That's good. They don't have to make great grades. They don't have to be great athletes. They don't have to show up at church every week. I just want them to worship King Jesus, honor our name, and grow to become great citizens of the kingdom. That's good. That's how we work together with other churches, right? I mean, this week, the world's largest denomination just had our tribe meeting, right? And there was lots of different things that came out of that. And I'm vested in that. We, We have friends who are on the mission field with the International Mission Board. We're vested in some of the things that came out this week. And I'm looking at this and going, well, I, I don't agree with that. And I don't agree with that resolution. And I don't agree with that vote that they took. Yeah. But I don't have to agree with all of that to continue to work with my greater tribe. Mm-hmm. Because I believe our greater tribe wants to worship King Jesus. I believe they want to honor the name yeah. Christian. And I believe they do want to grow to become better citizens. And that's the sticky part, right? It is. Because some of us would say, well, until you give up XYZ or until you stop doing XYZ, you can't really grow. And that's where we get to lean into each other with gentleness and submission and patience. Self-control. Yeah, and so I don't if you were following along, I mean that was I think that's a perfect picture of what we've watched happen in New Orleans of one is we try to sort out our differences theologically and doctrinally. It doesn't mean that we forsake the mission of God. And, and, and at the end of the day, my preference is in submission to the gospel um, and understanding that, that I leave room for other people and other ways of thinking. And I love how that started with, not in the New Testament, but actually started way back in the Old Testament too. And so uh, God's people, they were his people so that God would uh, bless all peoples through them. If you understand the story of Israel and the Israelites, and I love Deuteronomy ten nineteen. It says, "Love the sojourner, for you were once sojourners in Egypt." And that just means a stranger or an outsider who lacked inherited rights. That's what a sojourner is: someone new, lacking inherited rights. And so God put that call on His people. If you know the story, He moved them out of Egypt, out of slavery across the Red Sea, into the wilderness for 40 years, and then took into the possession of the land that he called for them. And he always said, don't forget that you were once strangers in a faraway place removed from me in Egypt. And that's Egypt. And so all of us have an Egypt rattling around somewhere in here. But then it goes one step further. It doesn't mean just don't remember or don't forget the sojourner. It also says this in Leviticus 23:22. God's people are supposed to provide for and love strangers. So the command was, is, hey, when you reap your fields, when you plant and it's time for harvest, don't pull everything out of the field that's yours. Leave some behind for newcomers within your midst. And so you see just this idea of, hey, it's a, it's a memory thing, it's a heart thing, but then it's also a hands thing. And so when, you know, when we were talking about uh, the, the national conference this week, I was like, gosh, I hear what's going on and that's okay, but I think we're forgetting the heart behind which we're called and how that flows to the hands as well in regards to how we treat one another within the church and then how we're supposed to love 
the outside world because Proverbs 11, 11a says this, by the blessing of the city, or the upright, a city rejoices. Do you know that's in Proverbs? Proverbs 11, 11a. By the blessing of the upright, the city rejoices. And I think that's a wonderful call for us as churches for Arlington. What do you think? I love it. Yeah. I never heard Proverbs 11 brought into the context of church unity with the large C. So this morning I had to go look it up. Yeah. I was like, where is he bringing, where is he getting this Proverbs I just make it up as I go. Somehow I don't doubt some of those things. Uh, (laughs) Proverbs are principles, they're not promises. Yeah. And so I looked at it and I thought, man, this is really good. But then I looked at the back half. Yeah. You just sent me 11a. I did. And I was like, I don't want to just read one verse, right? I've been teaching my men, never read a Bible verse. That's sure. dangerous. Read context. And in the principle, it talks about how your tongue can destroy and tear down. Yeah. So in this context of church unity, you're reminding us of Proverbs 11, 11a. And I'm thinking, wow, a lot of this can be undone if we're not careful with our tongues. Yeah. That's um, really good. And coming out of this week, I mean, already we've been processing with lots of people from our own church from our engage arlington tribe and just what does this mean some of the decisions that were handed down in new orleans what does this mean for our churches and um, one of the things i want to do is make sure that what comes out of my tongue is filled with grace and truth in that order i think that's so important Um, grace and truth and so now you, as we were processing this sermon, yeah. this is unlike any sermon I've ever preached. I love it. That's fun. We're, we're really kind of we didn't know what we were doing. Rails. We still don't know what we're doing. But you were like, I've got to get us to this one part as we get out of the theology before we get to the practical. And he told me what he was going to take us. And I was like, whoa, I'd never thought of that. Mm-hmm. And it's the maybe it, it's it's the end game. Yeah, it's the Avengers end game without the death of the great Iron Man. Yeah. Did I spoil that for y'all? Surely you've seen it by now. You know what? I haven't seen it yet. And I'm not kidding. But I knew that happened, so it's fine. (laughs) Hey, Tyler, we've talked about where we've been with the Shema. Yeah. We talked about where we are, but where are we going? Yeah, so Jesus in Matthew 28, I think we are so familiar with the Great Commission that we forget to do actually what it says. And the first thing is it says go. It says go. If anything, unity within the city or within churches or as God's family is, is that we should go, which means he is sending us somewhere individually as people and how he's naturally hardwired us and equipped us and gifted us, but also he's sending us collectively as crossroads and as mosaic, but then also as the big C church with Engage Arlington as well to the city, for the city. So that's one go, and it says make disciples. So just the idea, like, so I, I intentionally included uh, spiritual fathers on Father's Day because we're all called to be spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. For myself, right? Like, I have to lead myself. That's just kind of a basic requirement. But also, I'm not here just like as God called his people to not pull everything out of their field. I'm supposed to leave a little in my spiritual field for other people, too. And just the idea of going and then making disciples and then baptizing and teaching them to observe all that Jesus did. And I think we're so familiar with it, we actually don't think what that looks like. Because John's prayer, right, he prayed for us to be perfect. He prayed for us to be complete. But that's not done yet, right? 
And it's because why? It's because he hasn't come back yet to come get his bride. But yet we have this Revelation 22 reality that we see every nation and every tribe and every tongue all gathered around the throne. I think it's an easy throw. Do you have it in front? Do you have it bookmarked? No. I don't either. I have three bookmarks, but it didn't deserve one of the three. There you go. Oh, look, I have it right here. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Can I just read this? And so, again, if you're like, okay, we started in the middle, we went to the beginning, now we're moving toward the end. But I want you to notice the tree of life that was in Genesis at the creation event is now shown back up in heaven. In 22, Revelation 22, it says this, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. This idea, the tree of life in Genesis, it's so prominent. It's now taking up two positions on the river. By the way, I like to fish. I like to fly fish. I imagine one day I will flit fish with Jesus in that river. I'm, and I'm not joking. Like, I just, like the perfect day of fly fishing on the river with Jesus in that river. And it says, with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Well, I don't think we could heal nations without being unified. No longer there will be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more because there is no need for a son. And I just love that picture of God's family, his bride coming together in unity, bringing light to a dark and dead and decaying world. Jesus wants us to be one for a handful of reasons. One, because it represents who the Godhead is. Two, it should represent our hearts as image bearers. But three, because Jesus says that the world doesn't know the Father loves the Son, doesn't know the Son loves the world because we have harsh words and we're impatient and we're proud. And so this prayer that Jesus prays, this high priestly prayer, the Lord's Prayer, according to Stephen, it hasn't been answered yet. But we have the opportunity to answer it. And one day it will fully be answered, whether we get to handle this baton well in our race or not. But I don't want to drop the baton. No, I don't either. And in just regards to, um, when you think about all the needs that are within our churches and all the needs that are within the city or even the world, because you flip on social media or your favorite news channel and there's always something going wrong but what is really going wrong is that people need to hear the life-saving message of the gospel and so I just want to throw up a little slide for you Um, if we're going to boil the world's population down into a hundred people right so these are ratios a hundred people I just want to give you the makeup globally of what these people look like which is all of us right Uh, one 60 of them would be from Asia or India that's the majority of people. 15 would be from the African continent. 14 of the 100 would be from the Americas, North, Central, South. 11 would be European. The breakdown would be 50-50. You always hear that there's more females than males, but in this, when they pulled this stat, it's 50-50. 25 would be Caucasian. 75 would be non-Caucasian. Here's the, the one I want to focus on. 30 would be Christian or believe in the gospel and what the scriptures would say. 70% would not. Talk about the need. There is a need for a unified church. And then 89 would be heterosexual, 11 would be homosexual. And so when you think about just those groups and where the gospel is our primary identity, 
our city has all those pockets of different types of people and perspectives within it. Yeah, and even if you live in the South, which we do, and this is maybe people have once called this the buckle of the Bible Belt, which yeah. I doubt is true anymore. But even if you live in Arlington, the greater Arlington area, even if those numbers were a little higher as far as Christian and non-Christian, I'll tell you this, I, the studies we've done in this city, yeah. over 70% of the people are done with the local church as we see it today. Even supposedly Christians, they're done with the local church. They've either been jaded, or they've been hurt, they've been abused, they're just lazy, they're in sin. I don't know the reasons, but they're done with this. And the problem with that is that without being together with God's people in the context of the local church, they'll never be able to experience the blessings that God has for them. And we won't be able to experience the blessings God has for us because of them. That's good. And so even if you surround yourselves around Christians all the time, um, I would encourage you to start asking the Lord to allow you to be a voice of hope as it pertains to biblical unity with those brothers and sisters. Because honestly, this is a message that many believers in the greater Arlington area haven't heard or they're not interested in. And that shouldn't be. It's not the heart of our God. It's not the heart of our scriptures. It's definitely not the heart of the Holy Spirit who wants to unify us, right? Yeah, so I agree. So I think we have some next steps. Um, One, you know, because... One, we want to engage your mind, engage your heart, but also give you some things to think about and what it looks like for you to take steps in this idea of what does it mean for me to be unified with God and who he is, and then also um, what he's calling the churches and our churches and the big C Church of Arlington to do. You want to do number one? Because I know that this was a big part for you this week. We used to drive, our church, like like Crossroads, when Joe started this church, um, they met in a house, and they met in, a, I think it was Dottie Lynn Rec Center. Is that right, yeah, David? Yeah, that's Dottie right. Lynn, yeah. Um, and then y'all got this space. Well, we did the same thing. We started in a house. We went to North Davis Church of Christ. We went to uh, the Cats, YMCA. And as we would drive to the worship gathering, I'd have my three little kids, and every time we'd pass a church, we would pray for that church. And one of the practical next steps is just to appreciate the differences in the body of Christ. Appreciate the differences in your own church. We have people in our small church that don't agree with me theologically on a handful of issues. Uh, some, some people, it might be a, a spiritual gift issue. Some people, it might be a, a women in leadership issue. Some people, it might be an alcohol issue. Some people, it might be an infant baptism issue. But we're learning. We're submitting to one another. We're appreciating our differences. Appreciate them um, worldwide. The body of Christ is huge. And then promote this idea of reconciliation and unity with the believers that you spend time with, whether it's BSF, whether it's FCA, uh, Young Life, whatever you're involved with. Encourage them to appreciate the differences in the body of Christ. Um, I know raising my kids as I would pass all these different churches and we'd pray for them, I was hopeful that they would realize that we're not in competition. Now, honestly, there are a few churches I don't want my kids going to, and I don't want your kids going to either. And if you want to know which churches those are, just ask me, and I will tell you. Because there are um, wolves in sheep clothing. There are illegitimate churches in the greater Arlington area. But by God's grace and by your sacrifice and obedience, it's not crossroads. 
or by, mosaic. Or, or mosaic by God's yeah. grace, right? And our sacrifice and obedience. Yeah. But we want to teach our kids to value the body of Christ that looks differently than mosaic or crossroads. So that's important. Appreciate the differences. Yeah, I would agree with that. And how quickly the tongue can build up or tear down, as we were talking about earlier. Two, find ways to work together where we can. Um, we've got an opportunity with Engage Arlington in the fall um, to, to serve our city in October uh, and, and just be a blessing to the city. Uh, also in September, we have a, this is, this is came out this week, right? We have a, on September, is it 22nd, I believe? 20th. We have a fasting day. It's a Wednesday, a day of fasting, prayer, and praise where all the churches in Arlington agree to fast, pray for the city, and then come together and worship God together. You want to talk a little bit That's more about that? That's going to be amazing. We just uh, yeah. finalized this on Thursday, and I promise you, you're the first two churches to hear about it, because yep. the other churches are pretty big, and so for them to get information out, they got to go through all these channels, yeah. and when you're a smaller church, you just say, hey, I think I'm going to do that, and Tyler's yeah. like, I think we're going to do it. Yeah, it's like, and let's do it. Let's go. So on September 20th, we're going to ask you guys to fast. I would encourage you to take out your phone right now and put in a day of fasting, and if mm-hmm. you don't know much about fasting, then talk yeah. to Tyler or your elders. And they will show you how to fast, teach you how to fast. But we're not going to eat that day, at least one meal. And then that night at 7 o'clock at the Levitt Pavilion, all the engaged Arlington churches are going to come together for 60 minutes of prayer and maybe a couple of songs. And we believe that, man, last Thursday's meeting was interesting. We had a lot of pastors. And uh, this month is an interesting month as a spirit-filled disciple of Jesus. And uh, between the convention in New Orleans and between some things that happened last Saturday night at the Levitt, we were just in process as pastors going, what is God, what is God saying to the church in Arlington yeah. about the sin and the shame of our city? Where are we supposed to be going? What are we supposed to be doing? And um, I just remember, Melvin, you told us, you, you challenged me and in the midst of pandemic, the pastors were meeting together as much as we could. And um, I remember Melvin, Melvin challenged me. He goes, I wonder what would have happened if, if, if instead of doing a lot of planning, the, the church yeah. would have just called for a day of, of fasting yeah. and prayer. And that was on my heart. And I just asked the guys Thursday, I yeah. said, guys, before we start railing against flags or railing against whatever is going on in our city, because we're for our city, yeah. why don't we worship? Why don't we just worship and let's spend a day in prayer and fasting and then let's come together that night on the Levitt and um, let's worship God together. And so that's going to kind of be our kickoff to the to the new school year. And we hope that all the Engage Arlington churches will represent and be there. But even if it's just you and I. I think he, I think I've read somewhere where it says if two or more are gathered, he inhabits the praise of those people. Right now, I don't know if we should sing. Like well, actually, you're a singer, from what I understand. Speak for yourself. Yeah, well, I was a tenor in college, so maybe we should sing. I don't know. There you go. But I, I would encourage all of you to, to think. Okay, I should. If you can't participate that evening, definitely participate because that moves all of us toward the unity that we've been talking about today. Uh, some other ways as well is just worship gatherings like this, or being on mission to serve the the community and the city together. Like I said in October. Um, or specific ministries like our men's like mosaics men ministry is 
figured out how can we participate with Crossroads Men's Ministry for the retreat, which, you know, more dudes sounds like a great weekend as long as we all come back alive. Uh, there's some things, maybe some ways for our women's ministries to participate together just locally as our church, kids, students. There's lots of opportunities to undo the narrative of that churches are really only concerned about their sandbox. And I'm pretty sure Jesus died so that nobody has a sandbox, Right? He says, no, actually, the sandbox is everyone's to participate together in unity. And then you mentioned number three. You want to touch it again. Yeah, before we leave on that, I just yeah. say one of the cool things about working in the city of Arlington as long as I have is, like, I know most of the pastors here. And so whenever people kind of come and go from churches, and that happens a lot, it's, it's, sometimes it's okay. Uh, when someone comes from another church and, and they want to tell me where they came from, the first thing I'll say is, oh, I know Tyler. I love Tyler. And they're like, and they know there that that's not going to be a place for them to bag on Tyler because we're in unity. Yeah. You know, um, I was with some of my close friends the other, the other week, and they were telling me where they were going to church now. And I was like, oh, that's one of my favorite churches. Yeah. And they got like, really? And uh, I was like, yeah, I love it. I, I might go there. Yeah. I mean, it's better than our church, so why wouldn't I go there? Because <laughs> God hadn't called me there. But I think when we're walking in unity like this, whether it's pastors or whether it's just the saints, mm -hmm. when you know that someone's a believer, a brother or sister in Christ, and someone comes to you and starts mentioning their name, the response is, oh, that's Elise. I love Elise. Yeah. And it just diffuses what they may have said in gossip. Do you guys see that? Because you're in unity. Now, it doesn't mean we all agree on everything. There are Yankee fans in the room, Josh. Unfortunately. Are you a Yankee fan too? No wonder y'all sit on the left. <laughs> My left. He, he divides somewhere. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't mean we cheer for the same teams. It doesn't mean we do the same things. Yeah. It just means that we take our distinctiveness and we move it in the right direction. That's good. And the last thing we would encourage you to do is pray for it. Not praying for me, prayer eventually means work. <laughs> <laughs> you eventually got to move those prayers to do something, but pray for unity. I talked about teaching our kids how to pray for churches. Uh, I hope that's something they, that sticks with them as they drive through the cities of their future and they see different churches. They thank God for each church. Thank God that he's on the move. Reject the temptation to think that one church is better than the other. There are times when I would love to be Jason at Fielder. Yeah. Largest church in our city, doing some amazing things. I see how many people he baptizes and what's going on with Fielder. It's one. It's right down the street from y'all. Right is. down the street from us too. Yeah. I drive by his church and I think, oh, I love Jason. I love what's going on at Fielder. Praise God for what's going on at Fielder. And then Jason and I will get together and he'll say, Steve, there are times I drive by Mosaic and wish I was a pastor of Mosaic. The grass isn't greener on the other side of the field. Yeah. The grass is greener where you water it and you take care yeah. of it. Good. And so God's not into blessing like just big churches. Or it need, we need all types of churches, house churches, micro churches, small churches, mid-sized churches, large churches. It's not about which one's better than the other. So resist the temptation to think that just because a, a high church, uh, I, I attend mass, uh, and, and uh, not mass, I attend uh, Ash Wednesday at some of my dear friends' church, Most Blessed Sacrament. We go every year. And I look at this, I'm like, this building's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. I just wish I could have Tanya over there and we could sing, you know, and Tanil, we could just sing in that place. Yeah. I just value what God's done in all of his kids. 
It doesn't mean I agree with everything that happens there, but when I drive by most blessed sacrament, I thank God for the men and women and boys and girls that are in there and, and the people that are trying to help them discover Jesus. So reject the temptation that just because your church is evangelical or just because your church is big or you've got this, that you're better because you're not. And then be thankful for the diversity. I didn't like this week's meetings. And I'm squirming and I'm sitting there going, but then I'm like, man, I so loved how one of our leaders who was trying to stand for one issue, when the vote came down against what he wanted, all of his responses online were just filled with grace. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, I love my tribe. Even though the vote didn't go the way I wanted, and his church was disfellowshipped. He's not even a part of this tribe anymore. And yet his responses were like, that's the kind of person I want to be when I'm arguing with someone about a, a theology or when I don't understand about a worship style. or I, don't, I just hope that when we leave the conversation, we can respectfully agree to disagree. Yeah. Because the kingdom's bigger than our little tribe. It is. And we often, like I think we, we want to retreat to our echo chambers and just hear what we want, reinforce what we already think or believe as opposed to actually taking Jesus up on his offer that the gospel is central, not secondary. Our preferences are secondary, not central. And that Jesus has such a wide net that he actually has room for all of us with differing opinions. And that's the beauty of the kingdom and his bride at work. Amen? Amen. So here's what I'd like to do. I think the worship band's going to come back up. Um. I think it would be great. We thought it would be great uh, for us to spend some time in prayer. Since we're calling, asking us to be considerate and to pray through what it is that God would have us to do, I think it would be great for us to gather back again in our communion circles and pray for those three things. Appreciate the differences in the body of Christ. Intentionally find ways to work together as the big C church for our city. And then pray for unity daily because there is a deceiver and a prince and a power of the air that is working around the clock to rip us apart where Jesus in his death has brought us together. And Jesus said, you know it, right? He says, the gates of hell will not prevail. So we're not defensive in nature. We get to be offensive. And we do that with submission and unity. Steve, will you pray for us as we enter into a time of prayer, please? Sure, 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 sure. God, thank you so much for the Crossroads of Arlington family. Thank you that your blessing is here. Thank you that they open their doors wide to receive another expression of your family. And God, the picture that they've given us this morning through the meal, the drinks, the music, the space, God, I pray that we would do that for our city pray that we would find ways to open our doors to our neighbors, to invite them in for a meal. I pray that we would find ways to look around our city and to stand up for other brothers and sisters who may be pushed down. God, I pray that before I die, that we would have moved the needle in answering your John 17 high priestly prayer. God, I pray that you would 
remind us of the imminent and infinite dangers of pride. Even the great apostle Paul says he sees through a glass dimly. He did not know what he did not know. Lord, let us have that attitude. That we may be pretty sure on something, but we cannot be 100% knowing that we are finite. Now let us give grace to one another without compromising conviction. But let us not also compromise compassion. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand and find five people at the most, maybe six. No more than six. Well, let's go seven. Seven's a godly number. No more than seven. Five to seven is the kingdom number of small groups. It is perfect. Now, Crossroads, this may be new to you, but your pastor has allowed us to do this. We're going to ask you to pray, and everyone in the room is going to pray. You're like, oh my gosh. At the Greater Arlington Prayer Breakfast, we taught breath prayers. A breath prayer is a prayer that you pray in one breath. So a preacher can't do breath sermons, although I wish sometimes they would. They'd probably wish that we would. They wish we would too. Yeah. If you cannot pray a breath prayer out loud, just one simple sentence, then all I need you to do is say amen. And that allows the person to your left to know it's their turn. Now we're going to start with the best looking person in your small group. <laughs> and we're going to run left to right. And I want to encourage you to take I want to encourage you to take a step of risk. Where there is no risk, there is no faith. So if you've never prayed out loud before, man, wouldn't it be awesome on this Engage Arlington Unity Sunday, you would leave this property doing something you've never done before for the king. And if you love to pray, like Tyler and I, you don't get to hog it. It's one breath prayer. So friends, we're going to have the three things on the board. Three things on the board. We're starting with the best looking. And we're going to roll one breath prayers for the next five minutes. Yeah. And we'll have five minutes of prayer together. And then Tanya will bring us back to singing as we worship King Jesus. Amen.